0: The following episode of my podcast was recorded a couple of short weeks ago, and before we all had a clear understanding of how devastating the coronavirus would be. In our podcast, my guest Michael Carita mentions a New York City disaster preparation meeting of several years ago, where there was a discussion of catastrophic events that could shut down the city of New York, including... Dirty bombs, terrorist attacks, hurricanes, and the failure of the tunnels that bring water to the city. No mention of what was apparently unimaginable at the time a global pandemic like the one we are all now facing. I hope that you and your families are safe and well, and that you are finding good books to read to give yourself the opportunity to put all in context and even if only momentarily, to escape or to dream. From Bookworms in the Wild and from Anchor, I'm Howard Alterescue, and this is my podcast where I ask people I find interesting to tell me what they're reading. Before I welcome my guest today, let me briefly mention two novels that I recently read. The Nickel Boys by the great Colson Whitehead is a haunting and devastating novel, and Saint X, a debut novel by Alexis Shakin, is a beautifully written story of relationships and mystery. Both are highly recommended. I also recently read and highly recommend The Chill by our guest today, Michael Carita, a New York Times best-selling author of 14 novels, a novella, and multiple short stories. Michael has previously worked as a private investigator and a newspaper reporter, and has also taught at the Indiana University School of Journalism. All of that comes through in his writing. The book we're discussing today, The Chill, a horror-suspense-disaster novel, which Michael wrote under the pen name Scott Carson, throw in some supernatural as well. This is not a book that you would expect to see on my shelf, but I'm so glad I was introduced to this book. A terrific read, and the story resonated with me in many ways. Let me take a shot at summarizing. The Chill is a story of the fictional town of Galesburg in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York, and about its residents who many years before, generations before, were displaced by the government when the properties where their homes were located were taken to create a reservoir, the Chillawaki to meet the water needs of New York City. Their town, Galesburg, was devastated, and the residents at the time have not forgotten. The story, save for the supernatural and certain of the more dramatic elements of Michael's book, is similar to the story of the building of the Ashokan Reservoir, which I discussed on a podcast last year with our friend, painter and printmaker, Kate McLaughlin. In her book, Requiem for Ashokan, The Story Told in Landscape, and on our podcast, Kate tells a personal story with universal themes of tragedy, loss, grief, confusion, and rage, as well as of migration, shared resources, competition for resources, and the importance of fair treatment by the government. Sounds a lot like the story told by Michael in the chat. I live in New York City and also have a home in the Catskills, in West Shokan in the town of Olive, right next to the Ashokan Reservoir. The first thing I did after we bought our Catskills home three years ago was to borrow from the Olive Free Library a book called The Last of the Homemade Dams, The Story of the Ashokan Reservoir, which Michael refers to in the preface to The Chill. Wherever you go near the Ashokan Reservoir, you see signs that show the location of towns that were destroyed when the reservoir was built. Signs that say, former site of the town of West-Shokan, former site of the town of Shokan, former site of the town of West Hurley, and so on. During a drought several years ago, people reported seeing stone building foundations and the remains of drinking wells in the Ashokan Reservoir. All very haunting and all evoking parallels to the story told by Michael in The Chill. Michael, I'm so pleased to have you on the podcast. Welcome.
1: Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure.
0: So, Michael, as I said earlier, the premise for The Chill resonates with me. The story you created includes some of the worst possible fears related to the New York City reservoirs, both for residents in towns in the Catskills and for residents of New York City. What inspired the story? How how did you get to this story?
1: It was a combination of reading a piece in the New York Times from April of 2016, in which um, there was a quote referencing a disaster preparation meeting, and the uh, the mayor's office had determined that of all the scenarios presented that included dirty bombs, terrorist attacks, hurricanes, the one that could shut down the city of New York the longest was actually a failure of one of the um, two now. Three or two and a half, I guess, water tunnels that feed the city. And that struck me as a uniquely horrifying scenario. And then I began to read more about the reservoirs in the Catskills and um, some of the books you referenced, and to go back and look through the photo archives from the New York City Public Library to show the uh, transformation of, of that landscape and, and show some of the, you know, now. Uh, Gone but not completely forgotten, mostly forgotten. Villages in the area and uh, also just incredible feat of construction. And there was something about that story, the way it spanned eras, that just kind of cried out for a ghost story to me.
0: <laughs> cried out for a ghost story, I love that. And you mentioned that there's there's a particular passage in your book that evokes that um, you say they were told not to take Galesburg; they didn't listen, and the past isn't passive. And um, you know that that evokes the ghost, ghost story. And as I said, the the residents at the time, hundred years ago, did not forget. Uh, and the the ghost again. I I read biographies and history and the like, uh, but this really did resonate, and the story is so well told. Did you spend time in the Catskills at all? Have you spoken to people in the Catskills about the book?
1: You know, I've spent some time in the area, but it is—it's unique to me. This book is unique for many reasons. I'm writing, writing with a, a new name and a, a and a new terrain. But I didn't do the um, the level of boots on the ground research that I usually do. And um, one of the reasons for that was that I wanted to. I wanted to make sure I was preserving my fictional community and the Galesburg, the town that I was rendering, as part of this very realistic fabric of the past, but keep it distinct. Um, there there are times when writing realistic history um, where I, I feel like letting the, the research drive the, the manuscript can become a problem. And for that reason I, I wanted to really isolate in, in the fiction of it because I was so in love with the research on this one. I mean, the story is up there so incredible and I think they should be better known than they are.
0: Yes. You know, Bob Steubing, who wrote um, the Res- Reservoir book that you mentioned at the beginning of your book, uh, he said in uh, in one interview, we live in an area where history is a living thing and it really is. And uh, it's interesting, the approach you take is interesting, and and I certainly respect it. But so much of what you wrote parallels uh, what uh, Kate McLaughlin talks about. Uh, And and I have met a number of people, Kate is one, there are others who obviously were not here when the Shokin Reservoir was built, but uh, are from the area, Kate goes back 10, 12 generations. And so they have family and stories were passed down and they feel the pain today.
1: Absolutely. You know, you're talking about the, uh, the loss of something that is so central to human identity and community and a shared history is so essential, so critical to our sense of identity. And then the idea of, of wiping that off the map and wiping the history away is, is a very chilling thing. Um where I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, we have uh the Rome Reservoir, which is the primary water supply for the um you know, southern third of the state. And again we have villages that were claimed by eminent domain and, and flooded out. And this is going to be true wherever there are man made lakes. And the necessity of the water is you you can hold the necessity of the water and greater good idea in one hand and still hold the tragedy of loss in the other. And and that's what I was hoping to do with this story.
0: Yes. And, and as I said, it, it, it parallels Kate's story. Kate uh, had family here and Irish immigrant family in New York city. And so she, in, in her talks, she expressly reflects that balance and, and you do, you do here as well. And so, Ironically, as, as I said, so uh, I live in the city. I live in the Catskills at the Ashokan. I was born in the Bronx, but I grew up in Queens uh, where, where your characters are from as well, some of them. Uh, and so the, the parallels, you know, so what is it that resonated? Uh, almost everything. Uh, tell me about- Yeah, okay, so this, this yeah, really comes home for you then. Yes, yes it does. Uh, the writing process itself, what is the writing process, and 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 I've talked to some about this. Some know where it's going to end, and some do not. Do you, when you start this book or others, do you know where you're ending up?
1: No, I have I have no idea, um, which to me is part of the the fun of it. Um, it is also part of the stress and <laughs> and angst of it. But I, you know, I don't mind that I lack the ability to outline. I, I feel like some of the the joy of creation and, and the journey of discovery that um, goes into the book comes because I'm actually I'm I'm walking alongside the characters and there's a lot of just of, of pure fun to to having that experience. Now what it leads to is a really messy first draft. And maybe a really messy second and third draft, but um, you know, eventually I get I get it home and there are times when I think it would be wonderful to be able to, to write with an outline and see where it's all going, but I think the crucial thing is to understand your own process and um, and embrace that and deliver the best story you can.
0: I love the way you said you you walk with the characters, and certainly I did as a reader. And yeah, you know, there's some characters who you become. You, I expect. I know I did, and I wonder whether you do. Become close to during during the course of uh, your writing. Did you become close to any of the characters?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, to, to all of them. But a particular joy of writing is. Um, when a character surprises me. you know if i there, there are moments when i think a character is going to take the left turn and it's that the character turns right and uh and the story shifts with that and that is when it is just at at the peak of of um my personal joy is when there's a sense of okay i've created characters who who now seem real enough to me that, that they can redirect the novel on their own um sean was certainly one of those characters in the show and I would have, um, I'll give a huge spoiler away, so I'll avoid that, but also uh, the relationship between Steve and his son Aaron. Yes. Um, that that was a relationship that I didn't know um, much at all about when I sat down to write, and you know, by the time I was done with the book, it had become one of the really uh, special and, and treasured relationships I've written.
0: Yes, and um, so, I, so I'm a father, uh, and now a grandfather, but... Steve's relationship with Aaron, uh, Desha- Deshaun's relationship uh, with Gillian, uh, or Gillian, correct?
1: Gillian, yeah. Gillian
0: uh, was uh, was very special. <laughs> the, the mysteries in this book, the the ghosts, uh, are also very compelling. Um, they're not central. F- they're not central figures in the time they spend, but compelling figures uh, nonetheless. The uh, process itself how long does it take how long did this book take
1: well from idea to final draft this one would have been a little over two years in terms of of the actual writing process um let's see it would have been right around 18 months
0: which which sounds pretty quick as i i read um among others um on the history side robert Caro, who takes about a decade
1: <laughs> well Robert Carroll's standard is a bit unique, I think, by uh, by any writer's metric, fiction or nonfiction. He, his time from research to manuscript is is unique, and I I hope that we're going to see another one from him fairly soon.
0: Oh God, I hope so. Uh, we could use it right about now. And, you know, and we
1: could, uh, I, I loved his little memoir about the craft. Oh, I loved it.
0: Yeah. Wor- work. Yeah. Working. I thought, I thought that was yeah. terrific. And I've recommended that to a number of people who don't want to spend the time reading either the Moses book or the LBJ books because he, he captures the essence of it. He's so good. He's, he's very yeah,
1: good. He's, he's a and once heard, in a generation talent. Yes,
0: I think, I think that's right. And I heur- I've heard him speak and he's equally good on the question of speaking. Book tours, uh, any chance of you being in the Catskills at any point in time in Woodstock or Kingston, which is mentioned in your book?
1: Yeah, I don't have anything scheduled there, um, but I would love to I would love to come speak about this book in the region where it is actually set and um, that seems like something that hopefully uh, will, will take place because I'm, I'm very curious how local readers are responding to it. Yeah, I'm well. not out of the place.
0: Yeah, so that, that would be interesting. There, there are a number of loca- bookstore locations, and uh, again, in Kingston and Woodstock. Good. Are you reading anything now of great interest?
1: Oh, absolutely. You actually uh, you named one of my favorite books of recent years with uh, Colton Whitehead and the Nickel Boys. Um, that one was a favorite last year, and I'm reading uh, now a book called Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. I don't know that. It will one. come out, um, I think, in the summer. And I just finished reading The Hoax by Clifford Irving, the uh, the great wow. Howard Hughes impersonator.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Oh, you've got a wide range of tastes. Uh, so you're, you're located in Bloomington. Uh, favorite bookstores in Bloomington or, or elsewhere?
1: Yeah, I, I split time between Indiana and Maine. And in Bloomington, uh, naming a favorite bookstore is discouragingly easy now because we've had quite a few closed, but the... The Venerable Book Corner in Bloomington, Maine, and in Camden uh, Sherman's Books, which is an independent chain in Maine, they are my, one of my all-time favorite bookstores.
0: That's great. Well, great. This has been very interesting. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Love the book and uh, wish you all the best.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to support it.
0: Okay. Well, you're welcome. We'll talk another time. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Follow us on our website, www.bookwormsinthewild.com, on Instagram and Twitter, at bookwormsitw, and on Facebook, at bookwormsinthewild, and message me to tell me what you're reading, or email me at bookwormsinthewild at gmail.com. More information about our guest today can be found on our website, which also includes links to the books and other resources we referred to in our discussion. Thanks especially to my podcast team. Dave created the podcast with me and is my producer. Ron is responsible for art direction and design, for the podcast, our website, and my bookmark. Melanie, as always, is in control of most everything and has provided overall creative direction. Ben and Eden provide additional inspiration and support. And, of course, Carol is my muse. 11-month-old Jake continues to encourage the podcast, as well as to find every way possible to fulfill his insatiable love for being read to. Life is grand for Jake, as it should be. The entire Wolfpack is also responsible for introducing me to most of my guests. Thanks also to the great anchor team for making it free and easy to create the podcast. And thanks as well to AJ Falari, who is working on the editing with me. And if you liked our podcast, Please subscribe, and in any event, let me have your comments, either directly on the podcast or at bookwormsinthewild at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the podcast next time.